It seems that there's a universal truth that teens lock them away in their darkened bedrooms, headphones on and within an arm's distance of a screen, whether that's a phone or a laptop or a video game. This isn't a new phenomenon, which sure the tech might have updated, but my memories of spending long hours of the summer playing outdoors are probably nothing more than a rose-tinted make-believe. The reality would have been me inside, with cassette player blasting, probably trying in vain to get the next level on some Commodore 64 game. But even with some predisposition to languish in their caves, lockdown has curbed what little outside interactions our young people may have had. But should we be concerned that our children are being cooped up? Or should we lay off encouraging them to get more fresh air? Hello and welcome to the Study Sessions podcast. I'm Nathan, founder of The Study Buddy and your host. In this, our second season of the podcast, we're following six students as they head towards their GCSEs in 2021, or at least what was intended to be their 2021 exams. Each week, I catch up with these very different teams to see how things are going in a one-to-one coaching session. Then, with a panel of experts in our weekly podcast, we discuss some of the issues that come up. They could be broad themes, such as motivation or managing mental health, or they could be quite focused, such as how best to revise for a specific subject. These are normal teams, so you can be sure that we'll be covering topics that young people up and down the country will face. So, if you're a parent, a carer, or a teacher, be sure to subscribe. This week, we're looking at light and the role that it plays in our teens' development and their well-being. I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Shelley James. Shelley is an experienced arts professional with an international career that combines consultancy and teaching with scientific and creative research. Shelley is leading the charge on highlighting the importance of light amongst teens with a number of freely available online workshops and also some hugely popular TikTok videos. Shelley, thank you so much for joining me. This week, it wasn't so much actually about the conversations that I was having with the teens that piqued my interest as much as something that happened around them. During my chat with Lee, he told me that he was late because his mum had, and I quote, forced him out of the house to go on a walk and get some fresh air. Now, he didn't seem particularly enamoured with the idea, and he certainly didn't get why it would be important. He'd sooner have been in bed. Shelley, are parents right to encourage, or otherwise cajole, their young people outside? Yes. And actually, I would also say as long as they go outside as well. We tend to sort of do what I say and not what I do. So I think what's interesting is that we are all primitive creatures and our brain really needs to know whether it's night or day for a whole raft of reasons. And one of the ways that it knows where it's night or day is the quality, the brightness and the colour of the light that you get. And we know that light inside is about a thousand times dimmer than the light outside, even on a grey day, let alone on a bright sunny day. So your body clock needs a clear wake-up call so that all this different cascade of processes that happen in your body, like remembering stuff, like restoring muscles, like growth hormones, like rewiring your brain from being a child's brain to being an adult's brain, all of those things need to 
in fact, 88% of the genes that are expressed in your body have some kind of a timer which allows them to work one after another in a beautiful, amazing sequence, which is super efficient and super powerful, actually, when it's working well. But of course, like a conveyor belt, if one bit is kind of trying to go upstream or happening at the wrong time, then everything goes wrong. And we know that it goes wrong because we're not spending enough time setting that clock. We know that there is a massive increase in depression, in obesity, in learning difficulties, in antisocial behavior. I mean, just the list goes on. So yes, the most important thing is that you all get outside and mum and dad go outside as well as the teens because it's as important for all of us particularly in stressful times to set that body clock correctly so that's the first reason is setting your body clock and we know that even honestly sitting by the window is better than back in the cave so opening the curtains those things make a massive difference and there are some really cool free apps that you can get on your phone they're not hugely accurate because they're not scientific machines but if you download a free it's called a lux meter on your phone And just watch the numbers zoom up and down as you go between a dark corner in your room and by the window with the curtains open, you will see just a massive difference. So you need bright mornings. And we know that the way the visual system is set up, because it was born under the sun, we know that bright sources from above the eye are more what we call biologically active than bright sources at eye level or below. And we know that it takes about two hours from these bright light sources to stop the system needs about two hours after the bright overhead lights stop to kick in and allow you to fall properly to deep sleep where a lot of that amazing work happens so low level warm lights and as dim as you can bear it actually in the evening allows all of your systems to cool down and that matters particularly for teens because your body clock is shifting by about two hours so for a teen Mum and dad are sort of saying, get to bed. And actually, you are physically incapable of properly getting to sleep before about 11, just because of the way your body works. And we know that at about seven o'clock in the morning, when mum and dad are saying, get up, it's actually about half past four in the morning for them. And you know what they're like, half past four in the morning. They're not too pleased either. So they're not going to want breakfast and they're not going to want to be sociable. And so some wonderful work in the States where we've changed school start times to half past nine and The transformation for these young people has just been extraordinary and actually for the teachers, but particularly for the kids where we're finding improved attendance, we're finding improved performance, all kinds of stuff. And the same with timing sports practice, all sorts of things. If you learn about your clock, like a conveyor belt where things are ready to happen at particular times of the day, like concentration about four hours after you wake up, like strength a bit later on, like resilience and sort of long distance stuff a bit later on. Once you know when those things are supposed to happen in terms of your body clock and you keep your body clock running well, then you can really time your life to make the most of every single quality that you have, especially under stressful times. So that's the first reason is the body clock. And there's another one, which is about vision. Your eyes, you may not realize it, but they're growing. They grow about 65% from when you're a baby to when you're about 18. And like plants, if they don't get enough light, they grow spindly. They basically grow the wrong shape. They grow too long and long. It's a, it's, they sort of stretch out forwards. And it means that the skin at the back of the eye gets sort of stretched and a bit fragile. So you're more likely to get some 
difficulties later on with that sensitive skin breaking down. But also we know that the light coming in through the front of the eye focuses in the wrong place and then you need glasses, which is a problem because <laughs> they're expensive, it's a hassle, you're going to forget them or you get contact lenses and you don't want to be going there if you can possibly help it. I mean, there are lots of cool glasses designs out there, but in fact, there are some amazing professions that you're really going to struggle to do, whether it be lifeguard or pilot or even brain surgeon. You know, you need your eyes really for as long as you can. So another reason to get outside is so that your eyes grow the right shape, basically. And an amazing study in North China had the kids in one school spend their playtimes outside. And that was an additional about 80 minutes outside a day. And there was a 40% reduction in the onset of myopia among that population. And you think, oh, you know, my mum and dad wear glasses. I'm going to have to wear them too. Actually, that's not quite true. There is a lot you can do about it. So there's no reason not to take your iPad outside and make a phone call, do that sort of stuff. But just gives them a good old dose of wake up, grow correctly light so that you and your whole body and all the things around you can survive through these difficult times. That's really interesting about the growing and the way that the light affects the eyes. And again, it makes sense, I guess, from a everything's natural and our primitive development, as you say. It's just not something I'd ever heard before, which is really interesting. Going back, though, to the body clock and the teams, how much also about the circadian rhythm, their body clock tells them they should be doing, is about habit. So when they start thinking, well, I don't need to go to bed later, so I'm 11, half 11, 12 at the weekend, where it's the summer holidays, I want to be after midnight. How much of that is having a negative impact on the way that their body clock shapes what they should be doing? It's massive. And actually, a scientist I was speaking to recently said that the problem with sleep is that you don't know you need it. The people around you know that you are kind of grumpy and slamming doors and I mean more than an average teenager so you don't know you need the sleep and of course the later you go to sleep the less you feel you need it so it ends up being a really vicious cycle and setting a really strong habit not only allows your body clock to know what's happening next which as we said earlier is so important for digestion for memory for physical recovery stress management all those things you really need to have as a teenager, eight to 10 hours sleep, you actually need a whole hour more than your 10-year-old kid brother because of all those hormones and rewiring that's going on. So we know that there's something called social jet lag where people stay up a bit later at the weekend. And if they spend more than an hour later, you know, over the weekends, this social jet lag, they're 30% more likely to suffer from depression. It also is associated with caffeine abuse, with alcohol abuse, with smoking. And it could be just a whole package. It's not necessarily causal, so it's not this one, then this. But we know that people who suffer from social jet lag, so it gets worse from one hour, two, three, it gets worse and worse. And so not only are you robbing yourself of a chance to kind of play that video game well, because actually we know that reaction times are reduced if you don't get a proper night's sleep. But also when times get tough, if you have an argument, you break up with somebody, all those things, if you don't have a good, strong routine in place, then those things are even more likely to knock you off course. So we know that when they did this study about social jet lag, that people with parents who kept them getting up at about the same time at the weekend but also made sure that they didn't accumulate such a lack of sleep during the week. We know that some teens are accumulating sort of 15 hours of sleep deprivation during the week. And of course, they're going to try and catch up at the weekend. But that's, it just ends up in a perfect storm. 
of misery for you and for your body clock, which means that all kinds of stuff just never properly happens. I think that's fascinating because actually that's what we do as adults as well. well certainly I do. I know in our house, we'll even talk about being a school night. So, oh no, can't stay up late and watch this film because it's a school night. And so we'll go to bed. But then Friday and Saturday is when you'll have a drink or you'll stay up longer I mean, as adults. And so our children are seeing us having this kind of routine and it's fine to sleep in a bit longer on a Saturday and a Sunday. And it's the routine and the habit that they just see as being socially acceptable, if not biologically sensible. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not suggesting that you kind of live amongst life. I simply that if that becomes in the same way that you try not to have a midnight feast, I mean, you know, from time to time, you end up eating later for whatever reason and a couple of glasses of wine. Honestly, I'm looking forward to the day when I get to do that with friends. So I'm not suggesting for a moment that you live like a hermit at all. What I am suggesting, though, is that you do set up some solid routines. And as you say, we know that things like insomnia, you see your parents struggling with sleep, you're more likely to in the same way that you see your parents struggling with weight, you see your parents struggling with alcohol, with money, you know, we pass those anxieties down. So it's not about being rigid. It's simply about respecting your need for sleep as much as your need for food and water. One experiment they did early on in Russia, which is a bit gory, they took puppies and handled them continuously for, I think it was seven days, and the puppies died. They could cope without food. They didn't like not having any water. But the thing that killed them off was not going to sleep. So I'm not suggesting you try that with your teens or your babies, but what I am suggesting is that you take sleep seriously and you take waking up seriously because those two things together will help you to survive almost anything. And so it sounds that one of the best ways in which we can help because dictating, certainly from my own experience, is really very successful. So one of the ways we can help is by encouraging those good habits and they start with the morning, as you were saying. So a nice burst of light. Now, I'm presuming you're not encouraging me to throw wide the curtains and turn on the lights as part of my wake-up call for my teen daughter. No. <laughs> well, you can, but she might put a lock on the door. <laughs> She'll be delighted to hear that. <laughs> what you're talking about is a conversation in the same way that you might have a conversation about managing money or managing access to social media. You know, there might be some other conversations that you would have with your teen about living well and living together because you share a space. So it's to do with helping them to understand. And once they understand why this is important, then you can work together to make those choices. So for example, you might decide to charge your devices together and have a time when you switch off. Parents who've done that have all reported that you end up having more conversations. There are all sorts of things that happen when you all agree to do something together as a team in the same way that you might decide to get out more or kind of work out how to budget so that save some money so that you can all go on holiday. You know, so the things that you might have as a team, as a family, so that it's not us versus them. If they understand why you're so bothered, because all the teens I know, they respond very well to a respectful conversation about what's good for them. As long as they think you're just being a control freak, you're not going to get very far. And actually, if they did the same to you, you wouldn't like it either. Mm. Actually, we can be quite reluctant as parents to hand over the reins because we know what's best for them. And so we want to do it. But actually, our teens do respond very well to having more responsibility and taking a bit more accountability. So absolutely love that idea of well, the team, actually, as you said, we'll work out what's best for all of us and we'll all abide by that good practice. And so some of those things that you were talking about that would seem to be good practice to put into a routine are the sticking within a percentage of waking up time. So lying at the weekend, as you say, is fine, but it shouldn't be midday. And 
also I really like this idea of the getting out. I mean, at the moment with lockdown, parents can have a little bit more leeway in what time school starts for some, and certainly waking up is later. But it seemed to be that encouraging children and our young people and ourselves out earlier to really take advantage of all of those, the lumens, how you measure light? Yeah, the light that's coming from the sky. Not only is your body learning because they're changing shape, they get a bit clumsy for a while, and that's because the ends of their bodies aren't where they were. And so when you go outside, your body is having to navigate, you know, a bit of a gravel path or, you know, so you're physically kind of practicing different ways of moving other than sitting in a chair and your eyes are doing the same so they're moving around between things that are nearby and things that are far away and your eyes are like muscles they're jammed with muscles actually so the bits which open up and close for different amounts of light the bits which direct them together to focus on things which are near and far away so there's physical response there's the metabolism of the vitamins that happens in your skin when you get daylight there is also a sort of sensitivity to the outside which also puts things in perspective if you spend your life jammed on an instagram feed hoping for a like we've seen the way the oxygen travels into the brain and shifts your ability to handle stress and negotiate different sorts of situations so you do breathe more deeply as you walk outside and we know also there's some beautiful work in bristol at the gate lab where people walking through natural scenes their breath changes, they walk more quickly, a whole bunch of other hormones kick in, which are sort of happy hormones. So there is a lot to be said for going outside in terms of your mental health, your physical health, your visual health. And we know that before 10 o'clock, between 7 and 10 in the morning are peak times for the serotonin pathway, your kind of mood pathway. So if that's not enough argument, I mean, there are some amazing podcasts out there. This one, perhaps. There's no reason not to each be on your own headphones. It's absolutely fine. There's no reason to kind of make it in some intense family situation. It's simply walk around the block in your own world, if you like. But while you do that, your body will be learning how to move differently and your brain, your eyes will also be learning about the outside world, which is a great thing to have. And then conversely, at the end of the day, we're looking at reducing that light. So preparing them for bed. Now, of course, the biggest truism, I think, of the modern age is that phones are bad, especially at night, because blue light affects you and you can't go to sleep. How much truth is there actually in that? Should we be concerned about our children being on phones or iPads or what have you, up until the moment the light's turned off and we expect them to go to sleep? Yes, is a short answer. That's for two reasons. One of them is that blue wavelength, which is the kind of red bull to the brain, particularly after dark, it gets more sensitive to blue light after dark. So when you close your eyes, actually your pupil opens and light is still getting in there. So light in your room after dark when you're trying to sleep is not a great plan. The other thing that's happening, obviously, when you are online, kind of surfing or whatever, is the stimulus. So one of the other signals that we know, so there's blue light and the other signal is social interaction. The third one is food. So we know that if you are chatting and, you know, piling on some chips, Haribo's or whatever you're eating at that time of night, that's also telling your brain that it needs to be up and out. So those are the two main reasons is one is the blue light and sensitivity to blue light. And the other is social interaction as a kind of a speed up for the brain. So again, you can cut out one of them, at least by simply choosing some music, choosing a podcast, it's also quite a good sort of study technique is actually we know that the things that you've revised about an hour before going to sleep, you can boost your memory by about 20% without doing anything at all. So 
use that time before bed to write notes because that's another kinesthetic form of memory. Writing notes is going to give you some other ways into your brain so that it locks that information in for the test tomorrow or for whatever you need it for. So a procedural memory, which is playing a piano or something like that, or, you know, picking a football and declarative memory, they have slightly different time scales for getting into the brain, but use those two hours before bed so switch off the overhead lights, the bright lights, switch on some low level dim lights and use that time to just go over your notes. And then the next day, they'll have gone in by osmosis, by magic. <laughs> that also has the impact that, of course, if they are ready for sleep, the melatonin is kicking in and they have a good rest, that actually by the time it comes to the morning, they're more likely to put up less of a fight, I guess, when it's the morning time because they'll be well rested. And so actually it's a truly, truly virtuous circle. I think it is. I think it is. Certainly, and I mean, I've been practising that myself and lockdown has really helped. But there is a you know, massive fear of missing out and all of that sort of stuff that happens when there's other stuff going on out there. But yes, really taking your body clock seriously and your eyes seriously pays off in ways that you can't imagine. So yes, that's exactly right. It's a virtuous circle. And it really is down to you and down to you as a team to make that work. And recognising that some people, in the same way that you know that older people can't run as fast, the younger people don't like to get up at the same time of day. Work as a team to make sure that everybody gets the rest and the time to kind of be alert that they need. Shelley, thank you so much for joining me today. That was truly illuminating. Sorry, I absolutely couldn't resist. Seriously though, I had no idea that light could have so much of an impact on our health, our physical development, and also our well-being. It's always going to be the case that getting a teen out of bed is a nightmare. And I accept that their body clocks are wired differently, but the simple truth is that life, and certainly school, isn't oriented towards them laying in bed. And you could see what a problem it would cause to working parents if suddenly school times didn't fit in. Having a clock that's meant to be up a bit later and wake later too is all well and good, but I can't be the only one who has teens that would stay up until they physically couldn't carry on if they were left to their own devices. There just isn't enough hours in the day for them to consume all of that social media that plays out on their phone. And the fear of missing out is real. Add to that the fact that every child has friends with someone who seems to be messaging in the small hours. And this is then so much more about their reputation and their standing as it is about anything else. Also, of course, staying up later is and always has been somehow completely synonymous with being a grown-up. The problem, as Shelley says, is that often you don't realise how much sleep you need or how tired you are. And teens need a lot and they need it for their brains to develop. They need it so that it can sift through all of the things that have happened during the day, and importantly, when revising, to really cement those memory bonds of, of what it is that they've been studying. And of course, it's important for their well-being. If you're not well-rested, then anything can become increasingly difficult to handle. Small obstacles and hiccups become true mountains. And that's also true for us adults, as it is for our young people. And the answer seems so easy, doesn't it? Just a good routine. Get up, get plenty of sunlight. And while this could happily form part of a side-by-side -side chat that we heard from Aisha last week, it doesn't have to be about that, as Shelley has said. 
let them stay plugged into their phone, take it outside or even near a window. All of this is an improvement to them being in their teen caves where the backlit glow from a smartphone just isn't going to cut it. Nighttime was also an issue in our house. I'm just not tired. But there are things here that we should also think about. Reducing the lighting in approach to bedtime, perhaps as a table lamp rather than the overhead lights, could all help. And the biggest win, but I accept the hardest to achieve, is putting the phone down well before it's time for sleep. As we heard from Shelley and also Dr Faith Orchard when we discussed sleep back in Season 1, Episode 7, the phone isn't just about that blue light. It's a stimulation that's the biggest sleep inhibitor. We don't have phones in our bedroom in our house, certainly after lights out, but I must admit I'm not sure I'm prepared to take the fight to M about not having her phone before bed either. It certainly seems like it's one of those things that would have been easier not to start than now to try to stop. I was also really interested in that idea of social jet lag, the fact that teens shouldn't vary their routine too much, just an hour here or there. I understand it, and I believe it, but that's just not what I'm used to. There's almost some kind of human right about having a lion at the weekend, certainly in our house, and that's as much about me as it is about the children. And while I don't relish the idea of setting an alarm on a Saturday or a Sunday, I am going to give it a good go, and I'm going to follow Shelley's advice and start the day with a good dose of natural light. And as much as I'd like it to be out in the glorious sunshine, I accept it's much more likely to be sat by a window looking out on the Somerset greyness. But this is all about leading by example. It's living the good habits that we hear our teens should be adopting. And who knows, next weekend I might even have company in the form of my teenage daughter. Thank you for listening. I hope that you found this episode every bit as interesting as I have. If you did, would you mind taking a moment to leave a five-star rating and perhaps a review? It really does help us to reach other parents and spread the word on how they can support their own young people. Of course, sharing the link to this and other episodes with your friends on social media is always very much appreciated. There'll be another episode next week, so please don't forget to subscribe to the Study Sessions podcast.